You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're coming to you right across Australia, live from Hobart, Tasmania. You can catch us each weekday at 9am, and if you're in Tasmania, you can catch us again at 4.30pm as well. Today and every Tuesday, we've got Gary Webster in the studio with us. Welcome, Gary. Hey, Jason. Great to be here again. It's good to have you, and you'll be continuing your series today, Lifetime Search. We'll uh, get into what you're going to talk about shortly, but before we do, I'm just going to ask you a quick question, Gary. You know, you've uh, been sharing a lot about the Bible. Um, you've obviously been involved in uh, ministry for many, many years. A question that I've got for you and maybe uh, listeners might have for you as well, why do you have such confidence that the Bible is still relevant for us today? Oh, yeah, it's a good question, Jason. Uh, number one, uh, the Bible changes lives. <laughs> uh, I could go on talk about my own life, how the Lord's changed me through the Bible, you know. So I think changed lives is is, is something that, that, is, that is incredible. Then, of course, in, in my own sphere of, influ- of, of interest is archaeology and history. You know, there's so much from archaeology and history that bears the fact that the Bible is, is historically reliable. It's, it's, it's accurate. It's not, it's not fairy tale. So that's a, another thing. I think also uh, we mentioned in an earlier program how it has, it contains sound scientific health principles. You know, we talked about quarantining and all those sorts of things. The Bible had that many years ago. And then, of course, the other thing that gives me confidence, Jason, is the prophecies are reliable. Mm. You know, making so many predictions and they've got a batting average of 100%. Well, you know, that's, that's that's, that's something to be confident about. And I think finally probably the thing that helps me is that the principles in the Bible work <laughs> in life. It's it's relevant to life. So, yeah, that's why I have confidence in it, Jason. That's awesome, Gary. So uh, today, um, before we uh, get into the actual main topic, uh, are you going to do a quick review of where you came from last week? Yeah, sure. We talked about the assassination of God and uh, to Helen back last week. Um, so, and we're really continuing on with that today. We are, and, we're and answering be, some of the difficult questions. Exactly, looking at some of those questionable or questions that people have about some certain texts in the Bible. We'll look at that. But just to recap from last week, remember we saw uh, talked about the fact that there are serious consequences for the idea that that people are going to roast and toast and burn in hell forever and ever and ever, and, and it's just going to go on and on. And, and, and there are people there now. We said there's serious consequences. There are many atheists today. Uh, because of this teaching, mm. uh, if that's what God's like, well, who'd want to know God, sort of thing? That is the that's their their viewpoint. Mm. Now, we also talked about is hell real, and we discovered last week that eternal separation from God is what hell is, you know, really ultimately all about. It's the separation from God, not so much the pain or something. But we also talked about the fact that the Bible makes it very plain that there will be fire uh, in the, in the end destruction. Um, are there people re- really burning in hell right now? We answered that question and said, no, Jesus made it very plain that hell is at the end of the world, not before. So there can't mm. be anybody burning now mm. if Jesus said the fire is at the end of the world and Peter said the same thing. We noticed that. Uh, if we remember, we also talked about, well, do people suffer in the fires on and on and on and on? And so if they're not there now, but will they be there forever one day sort of thing? Mm. And we discovered that, you know, um, uh, Texts in the Bible, like in in uh, the book of Malachi, it makes it very plain. And in in uh, 
in Ezekiel that Satan and those who, who cling to sin hold on to it, they don't want to let it go, that they're completely destroyed. Mm. Nothing remains. It's the total, what we call the, it's nothing ceases to, to be. They, they cease to exist totally um, uh, because they've chosen to live life without God and he's, he's the source of life. That's why it's not like God gets even with them we talked about. They just unplug from the life support system. That's the consequence of our choice. Uh, and when the fire's done its work, it goes out, mm. and God creates a, a new world. We saw uh, where, where it's all new, and so there's no no idea that there's something burning forever and ever. Mm. I think we also mentioned uh, that that it, it denies the Bible in a few areas. We talked about it denies the gospel because you only get eternal life. The Bible says if you believe in Jesus. Yet these people have eternal life, uh, not good quality, but they get it and they didn't believe in mm. Jesus. <laughs> mm. And then finally, we mentioned that it denies, um, it, it, it assassinates God's character. I mean, mm. we wouldn't do this. And we talked about how Hitler, you know, tragically killed so many people in those concentration camps and went into the fires, the ovens and so on, the uh, crematoria. Um, some, tragically, were still alive when they were put in there. Most, of course, had been gassed, but, uh, you know, hit, at, least they, at least they finally died and, and, and felt no pain. But with God, people say, no, he's going he's gonna to do this and it's going to go on and on and on and on, people in pain. What sort of a picture of God? You know, God would have to apologise to Hitler one day because yeah. it's barbarous, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm sure that's why many people have uh, turned away from the uh, even the idea of, of God because exactly. uh, such a, a God uh, in that image or in that uh, Understanding would not be a God that anyone wants to believe in, really. It's rather a grotesque God, isn't it? Mm, he needs absolutely. a saviour. Yeah. Well, if you want to catch up on uh, last week's episodes or any other episodes, you can do so on the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. Or you can download the app. The, uh, uh, the If you've got an Apple tablet or a uh, an iPad or a phone, uh, or an Android device, you can go to the App Store and download the Faith FM Australia app and you can go and listen to all of our past episodes. Just find the Tassie Encounters program and you'll be able to go back through and listen to those. And uh, today, Gary, just before we get into our topic, um, people may have questions on, on this subject. Mm. If you've got questions, do text them in to us on our Tassie Encounters number. That number is 0488-880-891. We'll give that number a couple more times during the program. That's 0488-880-891. You're welcome to text in questions, um, provide feedback or thoughts, and, of course, we will have an offer later in the program as well. I might so. want to just hold some of the questions, Jason, because we're going to answer some questionable texts. So yes. That, that might help. Yes. And, and so if they've this, still got them, fine. That's this good. Uh, episode today is really about answering some of those difficult uh, mm. questions and, and uh, passages in Scripture that we're going to look at as well. Yes, yeah, so let's get into it. Some yeah. of those questions are, you know, people reading the Bible, doesn't it talk about an eternal fire um, doesn't it say unquenchable fire you know you won't go out another one is isn't it a forever fire it says uh, another one is so what about that rich man and Lazarus story in, in, that Jesus talked about how, how, do, how do those match up okay so 
that's what we're going to be looking. So that that uh, that book, Jason, or booklet that we're offering, uh, the surprising truth about health. We're going to talk about more about that later later, later on, eh? Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go to the first of these questionable texts. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about eternal fire, and I'm going to read a text. I'll get you to read a text, Jason, that Jesus mentioned it. Matthew twenty five forty one. Why don't you read that text? says, then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So that, Jason, sounds like a fire that never goes out, an everlasting fire. Mm. So people think, oh, that must be the fire never stops, you know. So let's have a look at that. Now, the Bible says that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed with an everlasting or an eternal fire as well. So if you could read for us Jude verse 7, that's a little book in the New Testament, not far, far before just Revelation. It says, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Okay, so the Bible says here that Sodom had eternal fire. Mm. In other words, it's the fire never goes out. That's the way it sort of seems on the surface. All right, well, let's go see what Peter says, but. If we go to the book of Peter, the second letter, I should say, of Peter, chapter 2, verse 6, read this one for us. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. Now, wait a minute here. There seems to be a contradiction, one's doesn't eternal, there? One's eternal, one's gone to ashes. <laughs> exactly. So you can't have both. You can't have ashes and eternal fire. That's impossible. Mm. So so they seem to contradict. So what's going on here? Well, let me first of all take you to – I take people on my tours, the tours that I take to some of the places, and one such place is believed to be by um, – people to be the place where Sodom is. It's called Tel El Hamam. It's in Jordan. In the, in the very direction that the Bible says that Sodom was, when you go to the, the book of Genesis and read about the destruction of Sodom, it talks about certain towns and where it was near to those and so on. Uh, this Tel El Hamam, just across from, from Israel, across into Jordan, above the Dead Sea there, Archaeologists have been excavating here, and they've found, for example, an incredible deep layer of ash. In other words, this is a place that had been destroyed with fire, um, because we often find that in archaeology. You know, so so this is this, this fits. Not only that, they found they found these uh, that you know, like the atom bomb in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, they found that you know, sort of plates were like almost turned to, to glass and melted, melted in yeah. extreme heat. Mm. Well, they found that sort of thing here mm. in their excavations. So we we can't be dogmatic that this is Sodom, but it certainly fits the the picture that you know. But it's not burning now. That's the point. And then Peter says it didn't burn forever because it went to ashes. Mm. So what does it mean then? It's an eternal fire then, or an everlasting fire. Well, it means the results of the fire are eternal, mm. not the process. Mm. In other words. Sodom is no more forever. Mm. So same when it says the people will be destroyed in eternal fire, it means they'll be destroyed and they will be no more forever. They are consumed. So it's the it's the effects that are eternal. That's what the fire means. It, it has eternal effects. I want you to read for me uh, us for another text, Matthew uh, 
25 verse 46. Could you read that one for us? It says, And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, some people read that text and they say, There you are. People are going to be in punishment for eternity. Yeah, punished forever. But it doesn't say eternal punishing. No. It says eternal punishment. In other words, it's the punishment that is eternal, mm. not the punishing, not the act, but the results. In other words, the punishment is eternal, not the punishing. They cease to exist for eternity. That's what it's saying. The consequences are eternal, not the act of the destruction. So we, we'll look at unquenchable fire when we perhaps come back from after our, our yeah, song. Eh? Let's do that. This uh, song, Be Thou My Vision, it's a uh, version of the old hymn, a beautiful hymn, one of my favourites, uh, by Anna Weatherup. Be thou my vision, Lord of my heart, don't be all else to me, say. to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And this morning we are talking with Gary Webster on his uh, second part to this topic, To Hell and Back, The Assassination of God. And just before the break, we were talking about how there's a number of verses that talk about this everlasting fire, everlasting punishment. But what we understood from our discussion is that 
the punishment was everlasting, not the punishing. Right, exactly. The consequences. It's the consequences are, are everlasting to exist for eternity. Yeah, that's right. So uh, the next uh, question was this idea of the unquenchable fire. Right. Just but just tracking back on that last one, it's the it's the effects of the fire mm. that, are, that are eternal. They. They cease to exist, yeah. So let's go to the unquenchable fire. Maybe you should read for us that text which people, you know, wonder about. That's Mark chapter 9, verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go into to go to hell, into the fire that never that shall never be quenched. Notice there that the fire is called hell. Mm. Okay? And it says this fire. It says the fire shall never be quenched. Now that sounds like the fire is never going to be put out, doesn't it? Mm. But let's go to Jerusalem, 600 BC, and Jeremiah made some predictions of what was going to happen to Jerusalem at the hands of the Babylonians. If you could read Jeremiah 17:27, I will kindle a fire in its gates, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. So very clear, Jeremiah predicts that, uh, you know, a fire will be in the gates uh, and, and develop, the, you know, uh, devour the palace of Jerusalem, but it's not going to be quenched. It seems it's not going to be put out, so the fire will keep burning. Mm. Now, I've been to Jerusalem a number of times, <laughs> Jason. There's no fire at the gates? There's no fire, definitely no fire at the gates. Yeah. There's no fire that's been going on ever since these times. Mm. You can actually visit, uh, see the rooms that were destroyed by the Babylonians uh, because uh, archaeologists have excavated. They found the Babylonian arrowheads. They found some of these bullae. Remember, we talked about bullae once before, seal impressions, um, all from the time of the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. Mm-hmm. No question there was fire, but the fire clearly went out mm. because it's not burning today. So what does it mean It's when it says the fire shall not be quenched or an unquenchable fire? What means it simply means that man can't put it out Mm. when it's done its work it goes out but you cannot quench it when it's finished its work then the fire goes out that's exactly what happened in jerusalem god said i'm going to destroy it with a fire that will not be quenched okay man can't put it out when it's done its work it's destroyed everything it goes out. That's clearly what it's saying. Uh, that's the same thing that happened in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Exactly. Yeah, you know, exactly. Eventually the fire went out. Exactly. Or, you know, the thing that destroyed the The, the eternal fire went out because mm. <laughs> it. its effects were eternal. Yeah. Okay. All right. What about another one? What about a forever fire? This is a question I think we had last week. Uh, someone emailed in about uh, this one. Re- Revelation 14 verse 11. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And a similar one in Revelation 20. Now, that sounds like the fire goes on and the smoke is always going on forever. That that doesn't paint a pretty picture. It doesn't paint a pretty picture. No, that looks rather grotesque. And it looks like there's a fire that never goes out. But we Mm. have to understand, Jason, we we can't superimpose 21st uh, century understandings of the word forever on the Bible. We must let the Bible explain what it means by forever. Okay, mm. So let's do that. Let's go to the story of Jonah. 
Mm. And if you could read Jonah chapter 2 and verse 6, you remember when Jonah was thrown over and the fish swallowed him. Read this for us. It says, I went to the moorings, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Now, if you read the book of Jonah, this is the second chapter where he's in the fish's belly. He says mm. he was he was behind me forever. Mm. How long was actually forever, according to Jesus, when we look at the story of Jonah? Read Jonah. Read Matthew twelve verse forty. It says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. So he wasn't in there forever. Just three days and three nights. He was in there forever as the Bible uses it, but he wasn't in there forever as we understand the word forever. Yeah. Forever. It was but, a, but maybe maybe it's a bit like I waited in that line forever. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Maybe that's the sort of thing. Yes, you know? it's an expression. It's not really forever. Yes. But let's go on. We, we, we need to go to another passage because we want to let the Bible explain itself. Let's go to the book of, to the story of Samuel. You remember when Samuel, uh, the, the circumstances around Samuel's birth were that, were that his mother Hannah was barren. She couldn't have kids. She prayed to the Lord and God gave her a child and it was Samuel. Now we mm. pick up the story, what she says in, in response to the fact that she's had this child and she's, she's going to do something. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 22 and 28, we put these two things together. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord, and remain there forever. Okay, so how long is Samuel going to appear before God? Forever. Forever. Okay, so that means, according to our 21st, that he's never going to stop appearing before the Lord. That's the way we sort of have it in our... But now read on to verse 28. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord, as long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So forever was as long as he lives. Mm. So in other words, forever doesn't, in the Bible, doesn't always mean as we understand it. In mm. other words, forever here was a limited period of time. Mm. For Jonah, he was in he was in there forever, but Jesus said he was in there for three days and three nights. It had a limited time. In this case of Samuel, I'm lending him to the Lord forever. He'll appear before the Lord, but he actually was there for as long as he lived. So uh, forever means in the Bible as long as the thing lasted. Mm. Now, it's the context. It's the context in the Bible that defines, well, how long's forever? Is it forever as we understand it? Mm. Well, it is in some places because, you know, the Bible says God's people who put their trust in him, they never die. So they never will die. You know, they'll be raised to life and they'll never die. So if they're never going to die, that's what it means. That means forever. That means means in that context. So when we talk about someone's going to have everlasting life and they believe in Jesus, it simply means, okay, that's forever as long as it lasts. Well, that goes on and on and on. Mm. But the forever with the fire clearly doesn't mean a forever fire in the sense that it's never going to go out because yet the Bible says that the wicked are reduced to ashes Mm. and they're consumed. There is nothing left, it says, uh, as we saw last week. So it's the subject... And the context determines the length of the forever. Now, there's another one that uh, that people have, and that's the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Okay, so what about this story? Perhaps I should just uh, talk a little bit about the story, and then after the break, we can perhaps uh, talk a little bit more about that story because it's quite an incredible story. Mm. The story of the rich rich man and Lazarus is found in Luke chapter 16. Okay. 
when we go to Luke 16, this is the story that Jesus tells, mm. okay? I've, I've read it before, and it, it seems a little bit uh, interesting. It is, does seem <laughs> interesting. So I'll tell the story, and then we'll take a break. Uh, Jesus says there's this certain beggar called uh, Lazarus, and uh, he's got sores all over him, and the dogs lick his sores. It's not a pretty picture, Jason. Not not a sort of story you read before when you're about to sit down to lunch. Mm. So the dogs are licking Lazarus's sores, and then there's this really rich guy, and uh, he's living in luxury, you know. And then they die; both of them die. And then the story moves to the afterlife. And in the picture, you have Lazarus is lying in the bosom of Abraham. He's lying on Abraham's big chest here, okay? And uh, he's, in, he's, he's having the eternal life now. He's, he's got it really good. It's the ultimate. But the poor rich man, he's over there burning in, in a fire, in the fire across the valley. So mm. Lazarus can look over and see this uh, rich guy now. The tables are turned, and he's, he's burning in this fire. And the rich guy... He calls out, he says, hey, um, Father Abraham, would you please send uh, someone over to, um, you know, dip uh, a bit of water in my tongue because it's really hot down here, <laughs> across here. Uh, and he says, and, 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 and then he says, and, and warn my brothers. I've got a bunch of, I've got about five brothers. Um, and uh, he says, look, uh, uh can can you um, please uh, you know send them uh, send them you know Lazarus from the dead to to warn them you know don't come here because man this is a terrible place to be, and then Abraham says no 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 you won't do that he says they've got Moses and Abraham oh, sorry Moses and and the prophets if they listen to the prophets that'll they sort understand, they'll, they'll yeah. understand mm-hmm. more about you know how to have life and not be mm-hmm. in a place like this, and he says no 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 but if someone goes from the dead that that'll wake him up he says listen here. Even if one rose from the dead, they would not listen. They've got Moses and the prophets. And then their story ends. Mm. So that's the story. And so people read this story and they think, hey, so Jesus is telling a story of what it's going to be like in the afterlife here. This is what Jesus is really telling, a true story. So when you when you go to heaven, you'll be able to look across and wave to mum who's there in hell burning in the fire. You can wave to her and she, she'll wave back and wish you. This is the sort of picture that, 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 it, come, that it conjures up. Because, you know, that's the story. So you've got this big chasm in heaven uh, where across the gap or the chasm, there are the people burning. You can see them. And the other people are, are living in luxury in uh, there with Abraham. So that's the picture. And people say, so this must be, there must be an eternal fire that goes on and on. And, uh, you know, we can sort of wave to them. Mm. Well, is that really what what Jesus is getting at? Well, that's what we need to look at. Well, surely, and, and I know we're about to go to break, but uh, Jesus spoke in parables. Well, and, that's part and, of it, Jason. And, You're quite right. And parables uh, were not always literal, were they? They were they were just simply things. They were teaching exercises. Yes, that's part <laughs> of it. But we have to we have to work it. Is this a literal story? A literal parable? Yeah. Okay. Some, of, some of the parables Jesus told were literal stories too. Yes, they were. <laughs> okay. Let's let's come back after the break, and we will find out more about this fascinating story. And uh, but right now we're going to have a listen to. Wonderful, Merciful Saviour by Cedar.
You're listening to Tessie Encounters on Faith FM and that was a wonderful Merciful Saviour by Sila. It was a beautiful song. 
Um, now, just before we go on, Gary, we've uh, taken a break and we're dying to get back into this story, mm. uh, this explanation of this story that Jesus told. But uh, before we do, we'll just uh, tell you, uh, tell our listeners about the book. Um, it's actually a booklet that we're giving away today. It's called The Surprising Truth About Hell. It's uh, Signs of the Times. It's a special edition. Um, talks about the subject of hell and God. Does the end have an end? the God of hell, what the Bible says about the millennium and what the Bible says about hell. So it's well worth grabbing a copy of that. We will give you a code that you can text in on 0488 uh, We'll give that code after our next song. Mm. So right now, though, we're going to get into this story and understand what Jesus was talking let, about. Let me just say something about that uh, that offer, that mm. booklet offer, Jason. Signs, Signs of the Times has some excellent uh, special issues, and this is a top one that will help answer so many of these questions that people will have and I, I just encourage people to, it's, it's such a, a great resource that they'll be able to use to go and check up on the text in the Bible mm. alright so back to the story of the rich man and Lazarus now what may come as a surprise to people is this is a familiar story in ancient Jewish literature you know the Old Testament and the New Testament there's a 400 year period between the two okay um and it's during this time that we have you know, this interesting story that's been circulating. However, what we need to understand is this story is in the section where Jesus is telling parables. You mentioned that, Jason. Mm. What's a parable? Well, a parable is a story, often from everyday life or from some, you know, like a makeup story. There's a story of the parable of the trees in the Old Testament. I'm going to talk about that later on. So these parables were, were you know, trees talking. Well, trees don't really talk to each other, mm, mm. but and they had a king over them and so on. But we'll look at that a little later on. But what the point is here is a parable is simply a story to make a point. Mm. Now, this is in the section of the parables. You read that very clearly in the book of Luke. But what Jesus does with this story that was circulating in Jewish literature is that he changes the story. Now, that may be something people have not known before. But in the story that circulates with the Jews, it's the rich man that goes to be with Abraham. Yeah. And the poor man is in the fire. Right. So Jesus puts the rich man in the in, fire okay. and the poor man with Abraham. So, so that challenges their thinking, number one. <laughs> exactly. So in other words, while, while this story was circulating, Jesus twists the story. Yeah. Why is he going to do that? We'll see that in a minute. The second thing we understand is this. Um, so that's the first thing. How, how we know this is not a, a, a true picture of what happens when the fire comes? Number one, Jesus changes the story, which was circulating. Number two, the, there's a parable just before this one. It's called the parable of the dishonest manager. Okay? So when you go to that story, and I'm going to just share it for a moment, uh, uh, Jason. It's found in Luke chapter 16. When you go to that story, you find, hello, here's this, here's this guy who's the manager, uh, and, and the boss comes and says, I'm going to sack you. You're not a good manager. And he thinks to himself, oh, man, now I'm in trouble. In a couple of weeks' time, I've lost my job. Oh, i got a bright idea, he says. I'm going to go to all the people that owe my boss some money, and I'm going to say, how much do you, how much do you owe my boss? $1,000. Make it 500 Go to another one. How much do you owe my boss? Oh, I owe him a million. Make it 500000 and he goes around to all these people and he, and, he, and he reduces the amount 
that's coming to the boss. And so what's the deal here? Well, he knows when I do end up in a couple of weeks' time, I can go to these people and I can say, remember how I looked after you guys? Now it's your turn to look after me. Mm. And and Jesus in the story commends this guy. Now, was he being dishonest? You betcha. Seems <laughs> was like it, it. wasn't his property. No. <laughs> and yet he's, 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 he's you know, he's, he's cut giving hard a discount. He's <laughs> giving a discount, not with authorization. He's mm. being dishonest. Mm. But Jesus doesn't commend him for his dishonesty. He commends him for his foresightedness. Mm. He's thinking ahead. Yeah. And Jesus then makes the point, many times the people of this world who don't love God are smarter than the people of the of the kingdom because they think ahead. Mm. And that's all he's making the point. So he doesn't use the parable to teach. It's good to be dishonest. No. He uses the parable to teach foresightedness. So we can't use a parable and say, well, this is everything about this. No, he uses a parable to make a point. So that's the next thing I just want to mention. There's a parable right next to it that's about the dishonest steward. Now, then, there's another point, Jason. If this parable is literally a description of the afterlife, you have to take everything literally. You can't pick and choose, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's literal, how big is Abraham's chest? <laughs> I was going to ask that question before. Uh, yes, um, not that big. Because everybody's going to go to Abraham, Abraham's bosom, you know, his chest. I'm sure Abraham was uh, much the same size as uh, this um Lazarus. Yeah, who's that guy in the big, tall guy in the in the fable? You know, the, he, he sleeps. The, the giant guy. What's his name? Gulliver's Travels. Is it the one? Yeah, the, I don't know. I'm, anyway, well, that guy. Yeah, you know, yeah I, I'm sure Abraham's not that big compared mm. to the people. Mm. That, but but that's you have to take it literally. So mm. everybody's laying on Abraham's chest. Yeah. Second thing is, is this really what's going to happen? You know, your poor brother who turned his back on the Lord, you'll be able to see him there Mm. writhing around in the flames while you're enjoying mango juice under the tree of life with Mm. Jesus. Is that really what's going on here? You just think of that sort of a picture. That doesn't sound like a good uh, picture of heaven. Well, it it sure doesn't seem like heaven, does it? it? You know, I mean, especially when God... God says he, 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 he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked and so on. Mm. It just doesn't add up. Now then, of course, it contradicts what Jesus said, because what did Jesus say? Hell is when? Hell is at the end. At the end of the world. Yet this guy's in hell now because it says when he died, he went there. Okay, mm. So this contradicts what Jesus has said somewhere else. So that's another thing we have to ask. Surely Jesus is not saying this is really the picture of hell because he already said you don't go to the fire till the end of the world. Mm. Next one, it contradicts what happens when you die. The Bible says, what do you know when you die? Nothing. Nothing. We know nothing. We have no love. We have no... Yet these people know plenty. Mm. At least Lazarus, at least the rich man does, doesn't he? Mm. Man, it's pretty hot down there, he says. Get me a bit of a a tip of your finger with, with a bit of water, you know, so... So yet he knows something, yet the Bible says when you die, no, you know nothing. It's going to happen at death, you see, according to the story. Okay, Jason, so why does Jesus tell the story? That's the, that's the critical question, isn't mm. it? Why does he use this story? And, and, and a, a bit of a, uh, a strange one at that. Exactly. Well, number one, it was a familiar story. And so he's using this story to get attention. Mm. This is a story that everybody's heard, everybody knows about, and he picks it up. I want to get attention, but I'm going to twist the story. Okay. Number two, being rich 
is not a sure pass to heaven is why Jesus is telling this. Mm-hmm. The Jewish leaders think that if you're rich, you're going to go to heaven. Even the disciples thought that. You remember when Jesus talked to them one day and they said, he says, it's very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of mm. God, Jesus said. And they said, what do you mean? To- totally challenged their understanding. Exactly. They thought if you're rich, you've got the favor of God, so you must be a sure ticket to heaven. Mm. Now, Jesus says, no, I want you to read a couple of texts for us. Read for us Luke 16. Now, this is just what Jesus says before he tells the story, and that makes it important. Luke 16, 14 and, and 16. Yep. It says, now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things, and they derided him. He said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts, for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. What's Jesus saying? He's about to challenge this idea that people who are rich are not necessarily going to go to the kingdom. He's not against people who are rich. He's against people who trust in their riches. They're lovers of money, it says there. And what you think is great in the eyes of men, it's an abomination in the sight of God. So before he tells the story, he raises this issue about the rich. Then if you read, well, I guess we've just about got to take another break, Jason. But when we come back, I want you to read um, the second point that he's making is it's very important to follow and obey the Bible. And he makes that point before he tells the story as well but let's pick that one up uh, after the next song yeah let's do that and uh, we'll give you the code to our book offer our booklet the surprising truth about hell straight after the break this is michael w smith with ancient words
Michael W. Smith with Ancient Words and just as the music finishes up uh, I did promise the code for our booklet offer today The Surprising Truth About Hell This is a Signs of the Times special edition and the code is DIG18 that's D-I-G-1-8 text that in with no spaces in it to 0488880891 and we can get that out to you as soon as possible that's dig18 to 0488880891 now Gary uh, just before the break we had uh, Stuart from New South Wales texting in with a bit of an explanation about uh, his understanding of the word forever and unquenchable. So let's uh, just read that message. Thanks, Stuart, for texting in. It says, We use forever to mean a short time. Take a six-hour drive and ask. It took forever. <laughs> that's for sure, particularly if you've got kids in the back. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a very good example. Thanks, Stuart. And he also says the devastating bushfires were unquenchable. Uh, but they are not burning now. So, yeah. yeah. I couldn't put it out. That's it. Yeah, the women, we've had some bad uh, bushfires, uh, particularly in uh, Victoria. Uh, not that's that exactly what the Bible's getting at. That's a good illustration. Yeah. Very good illustration. Thanks, Stuart, for testing us in. Now, Gary, we've got uh, seven or eight minutes to wrap up here. Sure. Let's go. Remember, we sent Jesus is going to challenge, first of all, the rich people don't have a safe ticket to heaven, all right? And mm. we just you just read the text about he says they 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 were confident in their riches and they 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 looked, you know felt that was it. But he's going to challenge them in another another point in this story, and that is follow the Bible, obey it, and don't dodge what it says. Mm. Don't try to duck around it. Now, I want you to read uh, Luke sixteen sixteen and eighteen. Now this is just before the story because he's about to launch into it. The law and the prophets were until in other John. words, that's the Old Testament writings. Okay. Yep. They were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressed into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries, sorry, and whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. And why did Jesus suddenly bring that bit of adultery into it? There's a good it reason. Seems uh, not relevant, but well, there must yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. Because we we know what happens. Mm. These 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 scribes. It's because he was asked on another time as to what happens when you, when you die when uh, you go to heaven. Which wife are you going to have? Is that, is that, is that <laughs> to not do quite. That? No, 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 no not okay. to do that. What he's saying here, you see, the Jews had a custom. Say, say for example, your wife, Jason, she burnt the soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she did it a couple of times. She said, oh, I've had enough of this, so I'm going to divorce her and, and get another one. The old model's not so good, you know? The, the, the Pharisees had and the Jews had a great way around things. They, they disobeyed God's commandment, don't divorce your wife over those sort of issues, and so he's, he's, he's challenging them on this, okay? Mm. And he said, there's only one reason you should divorce your wife, and that's, that's adultery. Uh, and so he's, he's saying, and that's what he says before, because they had a way of using the Bible to get around things mm. in a number of areas. This is just one. And then now notice uh, Jesus' punchline at the end of that story of the rich man. Notice his punchline. I wonder if you could read for us um, verse 27 to 31 of Luke 16. Start there. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, 
for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Okay, so you notice how he's come back to Scripture again. Yep. Follow the Bible. So what's going on here? The punchline from the story is this. And just, let's just put it in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell. What Jesus is saying is, you guys think that because you're rich, you are going to heaven. Mm. Okay? And, and so you dodge God's plain commandments in scripture one of them is about your wife and you you make up and you get around those passages of the bible what he says i'm telling you that unless you obey what god says you're not going to be in heaven you're going to be in that hot place where where the story swapped around the rich man is in the fire so Mm. that's why jesus changes the story to put the rich man in the fire because they think rich people automatically get a ticket to heaven but they're not going to, says Jesus, unless they follow Scripture, unless they do what's right. So that's why Jesus tells this story. Now, let me wrap this up by this way, Jason. Imagine if I'm, we're on the radio, the program this morning, and I use an illustration from Bugs Bunny, and I draw a lesson from the story of Bugs Bunny. I don't think our listeners think that I think that Bugs Bunny is a real character mm. and all those stuff that he does is real. Mm. No, I'm using the Bugs Bunny story for a point, right? Mm. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's, sto- he's picking up a story that people happen to believe in. He uses it because it's common, gets attention, and twists the story to, to make his point. Um, now, the Bible has a story about how the trees talk to each other in the book of Judges. And it goes on for quite a bit, and the trees made a king and so on. Nobody believes that the Bible believes that trees talk to each other and have kings over them. Now, it's a little story to make a point. And so the rich man and Lazarus is a parable, a story that he uses to make his point. I hope that's clear, Jason, because mm. it becomes pretty important in this whole discussion. Mm. Okay. Well, maybe we should just summarise where we've where we've been. Yeah, for the d- last. just before we do, I've, I, I guess I've got a question here, Gary, because Jesus is is saying, you know, specifically that if they didn't believe uh, Moses and the prophets, mm-hmm. now. I'm sure that somewhere else Jesus also challenged uh, the religious leaders that um, uh, that they persecuted the prophets yes, in the past. Exactly. And so I'm, I'm thinking there's this also bit of a connection with the fact that um, it's, it's easy not to believe the truth when, yes. when it's you know, confronting, and particularly when it's confronting us, yes. we don't want to hear it. No, exactly, you're right. <laughs> we don't want to hear it, and and I think that's uh, perhaps another point here is that we need to make sure that if we want to make it to heaven, yeah, not end up... <laughs> follow the Bible. <laughs> uh, yeah, that we need to follow the Bible, we need to trust, yes. we need to believe the prophets, we need to believe what, yeah. uh, that's what the point. they've That's exactly the point us. Jesus is making here. Mm-hmm. And uses his powerful story, mm. changes it so he gets his door story. Yeah, rather than going off on our own tangent, on yep. our own ways, with our own ideas and our own thoughts, mm. and thinking that we're going to make it because we've made up our own way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what they've mm. done. So, yeah. Jason, when we think about the, this whole subject of hell, number one, yes, there is a fire, but it's at the end of the world and it doesn't last forever. Mm. Mighty good news. Otherwise, God looks pretty grotesque if He puts people in there and they never 
come out and they roast and roast and in pain for it. That's not God. Mm. Um, no one's suffering there now. Um, Satan and those who cling to sin, hold to it, won't give it up. They're completely consumed and they cease to exist. There is nothing left, the Bible says, and God makes this new world. Hell, as we said, is the consequence of our choice. We choose to either not to connect to Christ, the life support system, or to disconnect. And life is only found in God. The devil is not a source of life. Mm. He's a created being. So unless we're plugged into God, we cannot expect to uh, to live forever because there is there is no life apart from God. And as we said, when it comes to these texts, it's the results that are eternal, not the not the punishing, not the fire itself, but it's the effects that are eternal. People cease to exist. The fire destroys them and completely there's nothing left for eternity. So I think that sort of helps us understand a little bit, Jason, what's going on here. But what I love about this is that God comes out not looking like a, a, ghostly, a ghastly monster because mm. that's exactly what many people have thought of God and that's why they didn't have one, anything to do. The Bible does not teach all that stuff. Mm. Bible teaches that God is a loving God. Exactly. And, and, he, and he wants to save every last person that's willing and re- to, to accept. And remember the text, mm. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their evil. I turn, turn, says God, why will you die? Mm, absolutely. Gary, now uh, we've done two weeks on um, on this topic of hell. It's, it's a, a hot big, topic, isn't it? It's a hot topic for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, what are you going to uh, lead us in next week? Right. Well, I want to talk about apocalypse, how the world will really end and there's some great good news in this topic jason so we'll we'll look at that apocalypse how the world will really end okay well we hope we can uh, have you joining us next week on tuesday with how will the world really end with gary and of course tomorrow we've got Riker chelich and he'll be speaking with tabitha tomorrow still uh, studying jesus final week with his series 3mj and uh, he'll be talking about the plot to kill Jesus. And uh, I think this is uh, part of that story that I was mentioning before, that um, those uh, religious leaders really hated Jesus and yeah. they couldn't recognize him for who he was. Mm. And uh, ultimately uh, that can have devastating consequences. Eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. And so we uh, we pray that each one of us, do actually take uh, advice of uh, of the scriptures. As Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth mm, of God. Absolutely. So wherever you are, have a great day. We're going to listen to this song by James David Carter, Open My Eyes, as we farewell to you today.
This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.